Well, good morning and welcome to worship at Applewood Community Church. Resurrection Sunday worship, I might add. Yeah, I feel like I should thank you for not running out of here as excitedly as Max did when it was time to go downstairs. I sometimes wonder, is it that exciting downstairs or is it about what's going on? Yeah, it's a bit party-like here, don't you think? It is, a, it is a party theme this morning. We are celebrating. Good thing. Many of us were here on Good Friday night. And that was a somber celebration as we were reminded of the suffering and the incredible pain and ultimately the death of our Lord Jesus. Reminded of the reason that he went through what he did and willingly died on the cross. It is a dark service. It's a hard service. That was Friday, and this is Resurrection Day. Today we, we celebrate. And I think it's only right that, that our atmosphere be just brighter and, and more party. Like all around the world today, people are celebrating, and they are proclaiming those words that you have already participated in. Christ is risen. That wasn't too bad, actually. (laughs) Let's try that one more time. That is so much fun. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, so good. So good. Resurrection Sunday is the high point on the church calendar. Of course, it is also known as as Easter. But I, I love the title Resurrection Sunday because it gives us the name of the reason why we celebrate. Focus on the purpose of the celebration. I don't know what you think of this idea, but I, every year about this time, I'm I'm thinking to myself, we need some kind of a governing body over the churches in America who proclaim Christ. We need some kind of governing body that that makes sure that churches are celebrating appropriately on (laughs) Resurrection Sunday. Because all Christian churches proclaim the resurrection and they, they, they go through the motions, but, but sometimes their, their bodies and their faces need to be informed of the enthusiasm of their language. You know, make it, make it a law to party on Resurrection Sunday. And find those churches that don't do it correctly. Does that sound ridiculous? Yes, yes it does. However, however, you can go to a website and you can find ridiculous laws. Did you know that? It's called dumblaws.com. I love this site. You need to go there at some point. Not, preferably not now on your smartphones. But you will find... Laws like these. Did you know that in Tennessee, these are still on the books. These are, they've, they've not been removed. I don't even know why some of them are there. Tennessee, you cannot shoot animals other than whales from a moving car. Do you need to think about that for a minute? Okay. In Oklahoma, whaling is illegal. And in Nebraska, it is illegal to fish for whales. Who knew that the Continental 48 had so many whales? 
In Vermont, you should know this, it is illegal to tie a giraffe to a telephone pole. In Florida, if an elephant is left tied to a parking meter, the parking fee has to be paid just as if it were a vehicle. California, this is no surprise if you've lived in California, no vehicle without a driver may exceed 60 miles per hour. You serious? Alabama has some great ones. I promise I'm, I'm, I'm done with Alabama. It is illegal for a driver to be blindfolded while operating a vehicle. No kidding. No person may spit on the floor of a church. Watch yourselves. And this one may be my favorite. And boogers may not be flicked into the wind. Thank you, state of Alabama. So suddenly, my Resurrection Sunday law doesn't sound so absurd, does it? Yeah. Of course, all of the attorneys are sitting here thinking, what is wrong with him? Here's the deal. In the resurrection story that we celebrate today, we're going to be reminded of a law that is not dumb or silly at all. In fact, it is... It is absolutely fundamental to life. And unlike many of of our civil laws, those that make sense, that are designed to restrict certain activities, this law that we celebrate does not restrict. But in fact, to the contrary, it gives gives great freedom. It, It promotes abundant life. It allows any person who follows it to find meaning in life, and to live life to its fullest. Now, the resurrection story is so important to the Gospels that that all four of the writers record the account of the resurrection of Jesus. This morning, we're going to read together uh, Luke's account. And I've, I've chosen it because there's a question that Luke records that is asked in this text uh, that I just think is so good. So, so listen for the question as we read. Give you a clue. It's, it's asked by an alien, okay? So let's stand and read Luke's account together. Here we go. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee... The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, 
and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. My sisters and my brothers, this is the word of the Lord on this Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. All right, did you hear the question? What was it? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Karen, let's put that up. I want you to just turn to someone next to you for a minute or so and talk about this. Is that a reasonable or unreasonable question? See what your neighbor thinks. Is that reasonable or unreasonable? Okay, we ready? What do you think? Reasonable or unreasonable? Who's starting us off? Reasonable? Okay. Okay, they were told. I like that. What else? What do you think? Reasonable or unreasonable? Reasonable. Okay. Regardless of what you've been told. Anyone else? (laughs) You're right. I only gave you two choices. Did you want to expand on it? (laughs) It was a wise question. Oh. He knew something they didn't. Exactly. I think... I think it might be a matter of perspective. And it might have something to do with whom you have chosen to listen to. Let me explain. When we lived in New England, one of my favorite Monday morning activities, I know I've told you some of some told some of you this this story. I would I would stop and get coffee and make my way to a little neighboring town and go to Woodland Dell Cemetery in the booming metropolis of Wilbraham, Massachusetts. In the spring and in the fall, it was absolutely gorgeous. And it was a great place to just go and read and and study and pray. And uh, beautiful in the fall with the colors. And it was peaceful, as you might imagine. I was never interrupted by the residents of the cemetery. You know, I was just left to myself. They were dead. So, the women show up at the tomb, and yes, they've been told. I sometimes wonder if there's more there going on in their minds than than what Luke is recording for us. But they went expecting everyone there to be dead. Because that's pretty much what you expect at a place for dead people. Would you not agree? We know from John's gospel that at least one of them was at the crucifixion. So she saw Jesus die. And so from the perspective of these two ladies, it might seem like the question is unreasonable. They're They're not looking for the living. They're not expecting the living, even though they've been told. They're looking for the dead among the dead. The two men whose clothing gleamed like lightning, probably safe to assume they're angels, asks what seemed like a perfectly reasonable question from their perspective. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Duh. Because they knew what had happened. They were in on the deal. They they knew the plan. And they say, he's not here. 
He's risen, followed by that statement that sounds like another question, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a direct statement. It's an exor- exhortation. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. It almost has a little bit of a, a punitive ring to it in the language. And then they quote the very words that Jesus has spoken to his followers. The Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then, Luke tells us, aha, they remember his words. So the two women, as we read, go back to find the rest of Jesus' followers. They're excited about what they've seen. They share everything that they've experienced. And John writes, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense even though they had been told by Jesus, the one whom they had spent three plus years of their life following. They they knew Jesus. But they didn't believe because they considered the words to be nonsense, which means, if I can push it a little bit, that they thought the very words of Jesus were nonsense. Nonsense. Because he told them that this would happen. Now, I would suggest to you that as absurd as that response might seem to us as we sit on the other side of the story and know the beginning and the middle and the end, maybe even seems a little bit outrageous that his followers knowing, or at least they should have known, what Jesus had said, did not believe his words. It wasn't the first time that that people in Jesus' life didn't believe what he said. It wasn't the first time that Jesus, as the Son of God, was not believed that his words were thought to be nonsense. And, And it wasn't the last time. Because you see, every day, everywhere in this world... People live their lives as if the words of God are nonsense. That God really doesn't mean what he says. And as a result of that, they are are living their lives looking for the living among the dead. Or could I say it this way? They're looking for meaning where it cannot be found. Because it is not there, they are looking among the dead. If you know the book of Genesis, you know that the first three chapters of the first book of the Bible gives an account of of human creation. And it makes a very clear statement about the purpose for humanity, that, that people are created by God. They're created by God and they're created for God. They are they are created to live in relationship with God who loves them more than they can imagine. The idea that God is good and that God is loving and that God has created people to enjoy himself, to live in relationship with himself. The story reminds us again and again that God is the one who gives life. He is the creator. He is the author of life. And not only does he he create it, but he 
he gives it meaning. It is his presence in life that gives life meaning. Ten times in the first two chapters of Genesis, God speaks and life happens. God speaks and this happens. God speaks and this happens. In the words of God, there is life. And in that story, we are introduced to to the fundamental law or rule, if you will, of human life, that the words of God bring life. That what God says will happen, it happens. When God says, this is the way things are, well, that really is the way things are because that is the way that he has designed it to be. People are designed, are created to live in intimate relationship with God and and that is where their lives will find life's richest and deepest meaning. Living in relationship to the one who has made them for himself. Does that make sense? But, but in this story, there's another character, the enemy of God, who, who hates all that God does and all that God stands for, all that God says. Scripture calls him Satan, a liar and deceiver. And in the story, he shows up and he's intent on doing what he does best, lying and deceiving. And he sows seeds of doubt from the very start of humanity, suggesting that God does not really mean what he says. He suggests that, you know, God's not being totally open here. God's not being totally truthful not so sure you should really trust him. And, by the way, there are other avenues. There are other means. There are other ways to find meaning and satisfaction in life. Don't listen to God. That has been the lie of the enemy of God since the beginning of time. Don't listen to God. In other words... What the enemy is saying to humanity is that you know better. You get to determine the meaning of your life. You are in charge. Choose how you want to live because it's there that you'll find meaning. It's there that you'll find happiness and fulfillment. You may remember that Some years ago, the Associated Press ran the story of three teenagers in rural Florida who thought it would be fun to pull the signs from several intersections in the county where they lived. The following night, a car full of people went through one of those intersections not knowing that they were supposed to stop. And the car was crushed by a tractor trailer. Everyone in the car was killed. My friends, that is is such a tragedy. And it is such a spiritual analogy for a scene that has been replayed over and over and over throughout the world's history. The enemy of God has been pulling the signposts that God has lovingly put in place that point to himself. And the results are pain and destruction and death. 
to people whom God loves. So I think the question for all of us to ask on this Resurrection Sunday is to whom are we listening to in life? Where are we getting our advice? Who's given us ideas for how life ought to be lived? Where are we looking to find meaning, satisfaction, fulfillment? I, I, think that, I think that lies in the heart of every human being. Why am I here? What's the point? What's the meaning of life? And I think that humanity, because so many of the signposts have been pulled over the centuries, over the millennia, I think that humanity has a history of looking for it in all of the wrong places. Humanity has unknowingly, in many instances, been listening to the lies of the enemy of God and the people whom God loves. Let me give you some some places that I think folks look for the living among the dead. Some people choose to look within themselves. If life is empty and out of sorts, then the answer is to work harder and to make things right, become a better person. We're Americans. We pick ourselves up, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, and, and we make a way. And so often the solution is one of working harder to fix those things in life that need fixing, those things that are, are broken, those things that create pain. And so it's a self-help, self-improvement process. Do those things that you believe will make you happier and a better person. Now the problem that I see with self-diagnosis is the self who's doing the diagnosis. Because quite frankly, we, apart from what God has said, don't know what's going to make us happy. If we need more evidence of that, we just look around the world and we recognize that people are choosing all over the planet to do what they think is right. And the result is a disaster that we call planet Earth. We don't know what will make us better and more fulfilled because we were not created by God to know that apart from Him. Looking for life and solutions within us, self is looking for the living among the dead. You know, there's another common place that people turn for meaning and satisfaction, they'll turn from themselves and they'll, they'll turn to, to others, to relationships. Spouses, significant others, boyfriends, girlfriends, best friends, people. Seeking to find meaning and, and validation, value in relationships. There, there is no doubt in the world that we're created 
relationally. We are relational beings. You know, there's the whole introvert-extrovert thing. Some are more than others. But, but we are created to be in relationship. But the order is so important. God created us first, as I've said, to be in relationship with himself. Be in that relationship for which he has created us to be in. And then relationships to others are secondary. Because what happens is that if the relationship that we have with God is out of whack or non-existent, I believe that there is this place that exists in all humanity that is seeking for something better than themselves, something that has to do with the meaning and the purpose and satisfaction in life, as we've said. And if I can't find that inside, then where am I going to look? Well, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to look to you and to you. And I'm going I'm to live in a posture of wanting to be validated and esteemed and felt to be important by by. You. When we go seeking in other created beings what only God can give to us, it's a disaster. None of us is created to give that to anyone. How can people give to others what they are not designed to give? At the very best, a person can only point someone to the God who can give their life meaning and purpose if indeed they have found that for themselves. Looking for meaning and satisfaction in the relationships of this life is like looking or the living among the dead. Another place that I think people turn to is fulfillment in stuff. Be it money, possessions, things in this world that we surround ourselves with that seem to make life better feels better. There is an Americanism that is prevalent in our day. You've probably seen the bumper sticker that says, the person who dies with the most stuff wins. No. The person who dies with the most stuff dies. And their stuff goes to somebody else. Perish the thought. Jesus told his followers that a person's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. I have to tell you, I've officiated a lot of funerals over the years. Never once did I see a U-Haul trailer attached to a hearse. You won't see it. Life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions looking for meaning in life, for satisfaction, for fulfillment in life, in stuff, I think is another prime example of looking for the living among the dead. If I can say it this way, 
I believe that all Scripture can be summed up in this idea. That a loving God has created us for Himself to live in a relationship of love and intimacy that none of us can imagine apart from that relationship. But from the beginning, human beings have been telling God that they know better, that surely they were created for greater things. That's the story of the Bible. But the thing is, there is nothing better than living in relationship with God. As a result of of choosing something other than God, people have been dying physically and spiritually since the beginning of time. What a tragedy. They spend this life and all of eternity apart from God. Ah, but Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is all about one other fundamental rule that God has put in place. Perhaps you know the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the richness of relationship with God that John is talking about. Because we were created to live in relationship with him, God, amazingly enough, has chosen to forgive all those who have rejected him. To forgive them, to forgive us for not listening to him and for the arrogance of thinking that we know how life ought to be lived. And for living in constant pursuit of meaning and purpose and fulfillment apart from him, living as if there is life to be found among the dead. That's what this celebration is all about today. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And that, my brothers and sisters, is where life is found. It is found in the truth of what happened on the cross and what followed up and happened on Resurrection Sunday. <clears throat> Excuse me, that, that Christ is risen and in him there is life. The excitement of the women running back from the tomb. Oh yeah, he said this would happen. And away they went to find the other knotheads who didn't remember it either. And I think our challenge of Resurrection Sunday is to, to remember what it is that Jesus said. This, this is not just an idea that came out of the blue. It's an idea that came from the mouth of Jesus telling his followers that this is the way that it will happen. This is what must happen to me. And it's an idea that comes from the heart of God. God who loves those for whom he has created to live in relationship with him. And so I think there are only two choices, like the answer to the question earlier. Two choices. You can listen to the words of God and you can find meaning and hope and deep satisfaction and discover purpose for this life and for all of eternity because you found him or you can look for the living among the dead. 
And to choose one is to reject the other. So you have to choose. I have to choose. We all must choose. So praise team, why don't you come on up and prepare us to to respond this morning. If you thought my law for making churches celebrate and finding them if they don't was a dumb idea, you're right. It is. Churches don't celebrate apart from the people who make up the church. People celebrate. And, And really, only those who know God through His Son have reason to celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday. Much to celebrate, my friends. The truth of God the reality of what he says and what he wills and the way that he says life needs to be lived and the opportunity for all of us to live into that relationship with him through his resurrected son. You know, if any of you are here this morning and you have any questions about that, yeah, I can see how maybe this makes sense, but, but how, do I, how do I know that? How do I attain that? How do I make that a part of my life? I... I would love to talk with you before you go today. Don't leave without knowing how you can live into that relationship that God has made you for through his son, Jesus. The ladies went looking for Jesus. The other gospels give us the recording of an angel saying, I know that you are looking for Jesus. It is like no other name. It is in Jesus, the risen Son of God, that we find the life that we were created for. May that be true of all of us. In the name of Jesus, amen.